Hello and thank you everyone to another episode of the Culture Nerd Podcast. We're on episode 39 and guess what? This Yes, this is our second episode this week. We felt a little bad about not having an episode last week. Um, you know, I really don't know why we didn't. I think we just got busy. I, I don't know. There was something that happened and we just didn't do it. So this week we're giving you two episodes. And, you know, because everyone keeps blowing up my DMs about this, yes, we're going to talk about DC rumors and news the stuff that shouldn't be happening right now because of the strikes, but apparently it is. So we're going to be talking about the Batman part two. We're going to recap some of the rumors that we talked about on this show a year ago, a year and a half ago, maybe. And then how they're now being corroborated by well-known scoopers. So um, realistically, nothing should be brand new news, but the internet's treating it like that. So let's talk about it. Let's break it down. And let's just have a little fun with it. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of One Piece Talk, where each week we talk about the One Piece. Yeah, so that's a thing. Um, so as we normally talk, like we're going to waste a little bit of time shooting the shit like we always tend to, because that's what we're going to do this week. Um, when we do our special interview episodes, you're not going to get our banter and our, our off-topic conversations, but uh, Netflix dropped their One Piece uh, show this past weekend. Um, as you probably know from our, our couple anime episodes, Michael has been hounding me to watch One Piece for a while, uh, and I never really got, gave it a chance. And so I went into the Netflix show blind, not knowing a damn thing about One Piece. Um, and I got to say, I kind of love the show. And then I went on the internet, and I looked at reviews, and um, specifically, I looked at IGN's review, because IGN gave it like a 6 or a 6.5 out of 10. And then the comment section is really where you see like the bitterness of the internet, the bitterness or the, the, oh yeah, I agree. The show is crap. Like it's either where you have the people that stand up for the project or the sheeple who just agree with whatever review the, the masses say. Um, and I was a bit shocked to see every single comment calling IGN out of touch. The show is a masterpiece. What's wrong with you? Things like that. So I realized that my love for the show was not misplaced and it's, a pretty damn great adaptation from my hearing. So Michael is a huge fan of One Piece and it sounds like you loved it too. I really did. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny is there, there's a couple of shows that we've described that have been like these television adventure shows that I've described as Power Ranger shows. This is, this could have very easily been a Power Ranger show. We literally have a green haired person, an orange haired, right? Like it could very well be that it was not that I thought that the show did a really good job of matching the pacing of what anime is that there's a main storyline. And then we see some flashback to where this character's motivation is coming from. Um, that execution of everything. Um, I think that they've done a really good job of playing and showing just enough of Luffy's powers to be to have him be interesting, but letting kind of everybody shine in those different regards. Um, I also think the episodes are paced really well. Um, 
One Piece is very funny, but they keep these episodes clicking along. Nothing ever gets too awkward or weird. Um, and everything just is like, yeah, there's anime people. There are sheep people that look like this. And it's not a big deal and no one references it. So uh, I'm I'm just so happy that the casting feels right. The characters feel right. It just is a, a real fun adaptation of something that's so big. Yeah, so I mean, the One Piece anime is fucking like a thousand episodes or something, something obscene. One thirty, one twenty-eight, one one thirty something. Good lord, no! Yeah, see, that's the reason why I haven't stepped foot into that universe because I'm like, I don't know if I want to handle this. But Netflix did very good, from my understanding. Netflix has done a very good summary of the first twenty episodes or so. So maybe they can keep this momentum up, and then they could. Netflix can keep going for a few years and maybe get to 100 episodes, and then that's the thousand episodes of the anime. But I would love for them to do these seasons plus a movie. Um, that and maybe this movie is a, a, a more choreographed fight or something like that. Um, maybe with some of the other fights that come up later on. Um, I mean, listen, man. They had a kitty cat captain. He was doing the whole anime deal. And all of a sudden they're playing with horror tone and, but it doesn't feel like Scooby-Doo and all of these different things. And listen, one of the best combinations of characters is Zoro and Luffy of just like, they get each other. Like just the way that they communicate non-verbally of like, we're just both going to pursue our dreams. Like, the show is very easy to understand. It is about dreams and and freedom above all things. And it's like, now go for the One Piece. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm seeing is that so, like, I finally understand the appeal to One Piece now, which is really sad that it took the live action adaptation. But these characters aren't, like, the stereotypical bad guy pirates. They're pirates because they want to be free from the system. Not because they want to rape and pillage. They want to be free. And now they're getting, they're getting in fights with bad pirates. They're, they're like, we're we're pirates because that is our option to be free. Like we we're either part of the system, or we're classified as outlaws because we don't want to be that. And I'm like, I get it now. Okay, I'm I'm going to probably watch the anime after I finish this Netflix thing because. And and you know what's funny is I'm so like, far into the show I forgot about all the Colby stuff. I for like all of this world building at the very beginning where now you know we see glimpses we see these characters fully grown but we just i forgot like this is where it started well now i have to watch it now because now you tell me that all this stuff makes sense later on um, oh yeah. oh taylor i'm gonna let you know one piece is already setting up its most powerful characters in what you have already seen okay you got me. All right, I'll check it out. Um, I I watch this this show on Netflix, and I just think back of like if they did this, maybe they did this right because they realized how bad they messed up Cowboy Bebop. And if they did what they did to this show to Cowboy Bebop, we wouldn't be in this situation where now we're worried that the show's not going to get a season two because of how quickly they canceled Bebop. So it's got to get a season two, man. I turned off Bebop. Uh, 20 like like 15 20 minutes into the episode because I it was so it felt so disingenuous. Yeah, uh, we watched the first four episodes back to back to back to back, like just the way that the adventure started. I was like, Yeah, 
All right. Well, I'm hoping that it does because I'm really happy with it so far. Um, and on a separate separate note, um, I bought a, a pack of the new Pokemon Obsidian Flame packs. I, I went to the store and I bought like a, a pack. I was bidding my pull list. Are you going to open it? Are you going to open it up live on air? Are you going to? No, open I, already, it I opened it. I already opened it, and I'm going to show you what I got. Um, so I bought the pack just on a whim. Like I was there as the brand new expansion, and I'm like, yeah, just throw one on the stack. I'll get my comics. I'll get a Pokemon pack. Um, I got the secret rare, the crazy Charizard <laughs> crystal. Is it fairy or is it dark? It's dark. It's like it's dark. a dark crystal Charizard. So I got this thing, and I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool looking. And I went onto the Google. This alone is worth ninety bucks. Like are just, you going to get it appraised? What are you going to do? I think I'm going to send it in and get it graded because apparently if you get it graded, it's worth like up to upwards of 200 if you have like a 9 or a 10. So I'm like, I might actually become one of those people who now gets their cards graded. <laughs> so, Do you have other cards to grade? No. Not, not at all. Um, you've no. always loved a special edition. I, you've, I, I always think back to those... The Neo cards you had, the full yeah, nine. I, no, that, I still have that uh, that binder somewhere around here. Um, that's that, an old school Pokemon stuff. That random. Where it should. We got it in Palm here. Springs. It was a big deal. Taylor tracked down this shop. Yeah, there was this random shop that we found in Palm Springs that they dealt with like weird anime imports. When um, I'm not even sure if you can hear me. They had anime. I can hear imports, you. You sound great. Uh, anime import stuff that. We never thought we would ever find anywhere because it wasn't like it wasn't like the big niche at the time. Like in the early late nineties, early two thousands, it wasn't like you wouldn't find that stuff anywhere. Um, I guess I can't find it. But I found um we were at this thing and they had those those Japanese uh, promotional folders when gold and silver first came out, and it was like the, the nine cards of like the the starters for the new the new gold and silver expansion booster sets. And then I bought it. And I'm like, this is really cool. And then the next year they came out with the 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 next expansion folder that had like the Espeon and Umbreon and all that stuff. And I bought that one too. So I have both of those random folders, those promotional folders. And I don't know. I just didn't really buy cards for a while. Um, I got out of doing that. And then my son liked it when he was younger, and we bought a bunch of cards when he was younger. And now here I am at the store and I picked up a random pack and I got the secret rare. So we're, we're talking Pokemon. You got yeah. me the last Pokemon game, which had been the, the first Pokemon game I had played in a while and yeah. I played it blind and I had such an amazing time playing Pokemon and not knowing what was going to happen. But the head of Pokemon said like, Hey, we know that the quality of the games is not where our fan base wants it to be. And we are going to try to hone our abilities to give a more, you know, product that's up to snuff. What would you like to see? Because we're talking about gold and silver. It was such a high mark for Pokemon, and they've really never gotten back to that mark again. Yeah, so ironically, the second game of the franchise is still the highest point they've ever made. And I think the reason because was gold and silver came out a couple of years after red and blue, and it was the game that improved in every physical way. And not only that, it was a true companion game. Like gold, like it actually took place three years after Red and Blue. Um, Team Rocket was still dealing with the fact that they were beaten by some kid just a few years ago, and it was very much like I can kind of comparable to like Ninja Turtles two, 
and Ninja Turtles one, like Ninja Turtles two starts with like the foot in disarray, and then Shredder shows up, and you're like, "Yay, we're gonna get our revenge!" And it doesn't really work out. But that was essentially what Gold and Silver was, and there was also like the fact that there was two two whole continents that you could go through. Like you had Kanto and Johto, and then you had like the eight gyms, Elite Four. Then you could go back to Kanto and do those original eight gyms. And they were crazy harder, and then. You could do the Elite Four again, and you could fight Red on top of Mount Moon or something. Like, there was, it was a very big game, and it was very big for the time it came out. So now they're dealing with, I mean, they they had the very rocky launch of um, Violet, Scarlet and Violet because of the the copious amounts of bugs and technical issues. And word is was that the reason why there were all these bugs is because the game was developed for a stronger Switch, a.k.a. the Switch 2, that Nintendo hasn't put out yet. So this game had to be backscaled to handle the power of the Switch 1, which made a a myriad of issues. So um, I could easily see that in, like, 2024, when the Switch 2 does come out, and then they put, like, their day one patch for this game to exist on that console, it's, like, going to be night and day. Well, when we get a special edition, when we get some game where it mixes all of the content together, they actually haven't been doing that in a while. So that was something that, um, so historically, we had Pokemon games had red and blue, then you had yellow, and then you had gold and silver, then you had crystal, and then you had all these games that, like, the director's cut essentially was like the third game. Uh, they don't do that anymore, they just do DLC now. Um, Sword and Shield had uh, some really cool DLC packs. Uh, the next pack for uh scarlet violets dlc um i think is actually dropping in a few weeks and we're actually going to finally get yeah uh scarlet violet the teal mask drops uh a week from this wednesday on the 13th mm-hmm. um and that one has already shown off a whole new dynamic a bunch of new characters are being added um and not like a but like maybe like four new pokemon but like they've opening up the Pokedex where you can transfer a whole lot more from the older ones. Um, and then they have a the next one, it's like the uh, the indigo plateau or the indigo disc or something like that. And that one um has like a whole new island that they're making out of it, and that's coming out like December or something. And that game, uh, they've already made a reveal that there's gonna be a, a whole area of that game, this whole ecosystem just for catching the starters of every generation. Like it's a starter like farm essentially so you can catch charmanders and toted isles and literally every starter from every game in this little hub that they put specifically for fans we're talking main pokemon right now but we always get a weird interesting dungeon crawler or jrpg what what sort of play style would you want to see a pokemon game get put into is there a style of gameplay that you'd like to see because the new Pokemon game, especially that was so open world. It was like, you know, you can do an action, you know, you can have more action elements to this game, which they kind of did in RCS. Yeah. And um, I honestly love the crap out of that game. If you haven't played it yet, I would definitely just say go buy it because it was, um, it was super fun. I actually, I lost myself in that game um, because that game was, it was weird, but it had a very big narrative driven story and it was really fun. Um, but I mean, the next game that we know, the next offshoot game after this DLC is the, uh, Detective Pikachu Returns. We know that they're doing that. Um, and then we will find out whatever comes next year. And the big rumors are always saying that 
uh, we're getting the remakes of Gold and Silver, but in the uh, the Let's Go Pikachu style. Which, uh... now, I'm, before you knock on it, um, I will still argue that Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee were probably the prettiest remakes that the franchise has ever made. Like, if you actually look at the in-game engine, because they didn't get adventurous, they just made the game gorgeous. And um, I, I legitimately loved that they tried to push it as far as they could with that game. Because there's even the whole, like, plot lines with, like, uh, the girl character, like, Leaf or whatever her name was. She was actually involved in that game. Like, they actually took a lot of those plot lines that were cut off the drawing board and they put them back in the game. So it was a lot of fun. If you're a big Red and Blue fan, the Pikachu, Eevee, Let's Go games, despite the fact that you have to play with, like, the, the motion controls to catch things, it's a lot of fun. And it's like a it's a big love letter to the red and blue fans. So it's if so they're doing that with gold and silver, day one purchase. And it's so funny because my wife has never played a Pokemon game. Played Fire that one. The shit the at, but she played the shit out of Pokemon Go. And it's like, oh, this is like almost one to one. All you gotta learn is this extra battle system, which you know, yeah. that's the that's the fun part. But no, there was actually so there's a lot of cheats that I learned about that game too. Like there was like legitimate um so the game had couch co-op. So if you actually wanted to um, have someone sit there with you, you could give them a controller and they could help you catch things and it would like double the catch rate. So people quickly learned if you take one controller and you turn on a second controller and just throw them at the same time, you're catching stuff way, way more efficiently. So that was something that I definitely did very quickly in that game. I'm like, wow, this is so much easier. Woo. So... I think the best element of gold and silver is that you could catch those legendary dogs really early on. And I feel like that was something fun about the new game that you had. You knew that at some point, this Pokemon I'm riding around on is going to turn into a legendary, like yeah, right. You, eventually you, know, you knew we're from the beginning. You're like, Oh, this guy's OP. Yeah. Once, he's, once he's healed, he will destroy the universe. Yeah. He's my <laughs> best friend that we get to go on an adventure and eventually I'm going to kill you with him. Yeah. Um, so on that note, Michael, since you probably haven't picked up the game in a while, um, if you've done the five-star raids, the big special raids, this for the next two weeks, they're actually doing the big Mewtwo event. And he's in the game. Um, you have to go, before you do that, though, go to the mystery gift and then get your free Mew out of it. There's like a, uh, they gave you a code. Uh, let me see. Uh, get your Mew. I think that's, I think the code is actually get your Mew. Yeah. Taylor loves Mewtwo. Taylor has always loved Mewtwo. To me, a good legendary Pokemon is what the entire story is like. It is the product of that story. Like I, I don't like the Pokemon games where the story is like, uh, like with Ruby and Sapphire. Like the motivation behind those, the Kyogre and Groudon were like, we just hate each other. Like that was the motivation. But like the idea behind Red and Blue and like Team Rocket trying to clone Mew and then Mewtwo becoming sentient and saying humans suck i have to kill them all like i loved everything about mewtwo's plotline like to me like i don't care if it just shows my age that like, oh yeah there's better pokemon i don't care mewtwo was my was my pinnacle and he will always be my pinnacle well mewtwo is the dark knight of the pokemon universe but the batman is the dark knight of his own universe yes so get me get me caught up because you had already told me about Robin and Clayface, and these were all things that have been that have been hinted about during that original campaign. So, what else has come to light? Has any official casting actually happened? No, 
Um, okay. So to cut to kind of like recap, because now we're talking about Batman again. Um, early, wrong button. I'm like I was trying to like find the episode and I, I clicked back on it. Um, one of our first episodes from like last year or the just in the podcast in general, we did uh it was uh let me grab the date. I want to pull up the date so that we have it up here. Um it was streamed one year ago. It was our uh the Batman special spoiler podcast. The movie had just came out. Michael and I sat down and watched it, and then we gushed about this thing. And then through the thing, we actually sat down and talked about um, some of the details of what we were, the rumors of coming ahead. Like we talked about, we talked about Hush. We talked about um, the, the Dick Grayson stuff. It, it was around the, the 40 minute mark of that first episode. Um, we, we, we titled the chapter, What's Next? And we talked about, and I'm looking at it. I wasn't even in my house yet when we recorded this episode. Um, we talked about uh, Dick Grayson Robin because the director really liked it. We talked about Two-Face. We talked about um, The Quarter of Owls. We talked about Mr. Freeze. We talked about No Man's Land. We talked about all these things that were kind of put on the table. And um, now we understand that Clayface is something that um, maybe six months ago we got word that... Um, there was a director who pitched a Clayface movie, but he was told he couldn't make it because Matt Reeves was going to use Clayface. And why have they been talking about Clayface for so long? I feel like I've heard about Clayface forever. What what version are they going to do him as a mutant, as like uh, like basically like a goopy version of the thing, or are we going to see him more as? In that universe, are we going to see like the weird assassin that like changes his face to be other people? So like the chameleon from uh, Spider-Man. A little <laughs> bit, right? Didn't isn't that one of the storylines in the Batman animated series that ba that Clayface could make himself look like other people? Yeah. So in in the animated series, Clayface is essentially like a like a murky Hulk where he could just turn into whatever. But originally, the first iteration of Clayface was Basil Carlo and he was an actor and driven mad and then um, essentially it's kind of like this version of Clayface is it's kind of like a mixture between Spider-Man's chameleon and and like the uh Phantom of the Opera yeah that's that's the one right and he looks uh, he has like a cape and he has like a fedora and he has like just a, a, a face that he just like he uses makeup to make himself look thicker. And I think that's the most realistic approach. It's not the metahuman version where he's like this hulking monster who can make axes and, and stuff out of his hands. But if Matt Reeves is going full realistic, that's the, probably the version we're going to get. Like a Basil Carlo, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm the master of the skies kind of a thing. Um, personally, I would like to see uh, the Matt Hagen hulking monster where he's like, he's a mud monster. And if they do Mud Monster, we're going to have to see Pattinson's Batman level up. Now, maybe oh, that yeah. means why he needs a second to be there to, like, detonate the thing. But, like, if he's – I mean, now we're talking powered suits and stuff like that, which everyone hated in the Ben Affleck version because he just started at that point. We didn't see the buildup to it. Yeah. But if we see Batman almost die in a sewer somewhere – Right, and Alfred has to go save him. Then he's got to he's got to do something to be able to fight yeah. that. 
So um, the rumors, uh, the, the recent rumors came about from a notorious scooper, My Time to Shine. Um, she had indicated that the most recent version of the scripts included not only Clayface, but the project was aiming to start filming around March, which lines up like they were, they were planning on doing it this year, but they did push it out to March because of the, the strikes and fingers crossed the strikes drop and um, they're able to set that date back up. But uh, she revealed that Clayface was a big player. And not only that, 13 year old Dick Grayson was going to be a big character. And this was something I talked about very notoriously in the past um, was that Dick Grayson was was the plan. And um, we even had the hinting of it in the first movie where like the kid is orphaned, sort of, his dad dies and he's like staring at the kid like, I can help you, but oh wait, you've got your mom, I can't take you. But I could easily see them doing the, the, the circus stuff and having a charity event to raise money for the fixing of the Gotham walls or something. And then the mob is trying to make its name again Blind Grayson's get murdered, and he steps in and says, "Okay, I'm your mother now. I'm taking you." And we get and we don't, and we barely, we probably only see a little bit of Robin, right? Like yeah. the end of the movie, we see Robin. We don't see Robin, and maybe even aged up Robin until we see like whatever that next incarnation is. Yeah. yeah. So what we're probably going to get, and because again, Matt Reeves is a huge fan of Jeff Leop and Tim Sale's interpretation. Dark Victory is probably what we're going to get, where Dick Grayson is literally Dick Grayson for the entire book until the last chapter where he makes his own suit and goes out there. And then Batman's like, this is dangerous. You cannot do this. If you're going to do it, I'm going to at least teach you how to not die. So yeah. it's not like he's recruiting. It was him trying to save the kid. And, um, okay, the kid's getting into trouble himself. So at least... I can't stop him. At least make sure he doesn't kill anybody or get himself killed. Mm. Um, that's the approach I see it happening. Is a 13-year-old kid makes his own costume once he sneaks into the Batcave and realizes that his new foster dad is is Batman. And it's just, I can do this too. And then makes his own costume. And then like Batman's like, okay, I don't want you to die. So let's not, let me at least teach you how to fight. Uh, will any of these elements be introduced in the Penguin show? So the Penguin show was not meant to be a vehicle for all the fantastical elements of Gotham City. It was meant to show the evolution of the crime aspect of Gotham, which is why the I, the inclusion of Robin makes a lot of sense. Because if Penguin is making a play to be the new kingpin of Gotham, I would love to see the other aspects of the Gotham underworld, including like the, the guy who eventually kills the Graysons. So mm. I can easily see them setting up a lot of that stuff, but I don't see the meta aspect coming into that show. Um, I could, I would love to see Matt Reeves take the meta aspect, the meta human aspect, and then get fantastical with his Batman and show that, yes, this is a grounded world. Now the weird shit is happening and we have to deal with it too. But it's kind of up in the air if he's going to do that because the first Batman was so yeah there's a couple so of things. grounded and gritty it's very grounded and gritty and you could do that again mm. it's very interesting i don't know i don't know which way he goes you know what i mean which is you... which is why i was so thrown off by the the like the fact that they said uh mr freeze is on the top of his list and i'm like okay i can see that a flooded city with a guy with a, an ice gun that, that would be very cool but 
his origin is very fantastical. Um, maybe this, maybe he's going to do exactly what Jeff Lee Oben Tim Sale did, where you have Batman fighting the mob until the creation of the Gotham supervillains, and then the world gets weird, and then he has to adapt to the weirdness. And I would love it if that's what Matt Reeves is doing, because the other big rumor is that they've cast someone or they're recording to cast somebody to play Harvey Dent. And the idea that Harvey Dent was going to be a major player and then become Two-Face, same as the Jeff Leo Tim Sale stuff, um, we could easily see more Riddler, more Joker, more Mr. Freeze, Clayface, Two-Face. We could see the weird of Gotham span out over this Matt Reeves trilogy. And that sounds pretty great to me. So much to sink your teeth into and the fact that they started just with the mob element of it um i feel like court of owls also because that's also feels grounded to me it's still batman going into a place right like we saw him in the first movie go into joker's club now we're gonna see him a little bit more refined maybe have to sneak around as bruce wayne a little bit to get yeah. into this high society place i mean i i didn't that was my biggest complaint probably of the, the Batman movie was that the, was that Kurt Cobain, Bruce Wayne. And I think that um, the, the whole point of the ending where he realizes he has to be something more than what he was doing is we're probably going to see that like that suave playboy Bruce Wayne that's coming out and the philanthropists and all that stuff. Um, because, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I watched Tenet, I, I saw that. I'm like, yeah, this is this is the Bruce Wayne that I expect Pattinson to play. So I'm all for this. Again, yeah, I, it's so funny. I didn't even think about that. I mean, Tenet is the movie. I was like, they can work together because if this is how he's taking this direction, you can do more with him. And I feel like they are doing more with him. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I like him. I like Robert Pattinson. I like his modern movies. I like all of his adult work. It's all been very good to me. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of people, when I first told them that Pattinson was going to be a front runner, a lot of people said, oh, the Twilight guy. I'm like, no, no, no. Robert Pattinson from Good Time. Right. Like Robert Pattinson the, from The Lighthouse. Right. Yeah, like, watch those movies and say, that, oh, yeah, that's not the sparkly vampire. I could see him as Batman. Like, that's what you have to look at. Because even Pattinson notoriously uh, shit all over Twilight every chance he got <laughs> while they were filming it, too. Right. Like, they were filming the thing, and he was like, Oh, uh, like, all right, you have to promote the movie. He's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna drag the movie's name through the mud while I'm promoting this movie. Like he he was expecting to get fired during filming of every one of those movies because of how much he he shit talked to the project. I mean, it's so, so funny that we're talking it so often movies do not have these revenue streams. Even those movies, even though they were silly and people knew that they were silly, those Twilight movies all made more money than the last one. Yeah. Each one made more money than part one, part four, part five, yeah. part one. Like they all made more money than they the last kept, one. <clears throat> There's a big snowball effect. They just kept making money. Mm. But um, but that's the thing. So, so right now the writer strike, the actor strike, they're still in effect. Um, word is from over the weekend that not only is the writers, the actor strike still happening, but a SAG after is now pushing to have a video game uh, strike kicking into effect they're going to unionize the actors of the video game industry and 
going to strike there too. It's gonna happen because the video game people also do not want to be replaced by AI, especially yeah. people that have been characters in games for multiple years now or have given voice performances for multiple games. You only need X amount of words before the AI algorithm will fill in the rest. So like, yeah, they're probably trying to protect that those contracts. Mm -hmm. So it's um it's it's going to be a very interesting time because I don't think that the the writer strike. I mean, I told I said before conservatively, I think maybe October would be the, about the point where everyone sort of breaking a deal, but that was before um, the actors union kicked in, and then I think everyone everyone is really hoping that this resolves itself before the new year because the studios cannot afford it going that long. What happens? What happens if it goes to January second? So we already have seen multiple TV shows get un unrenewed. Um, Hulu has started cutting costs and killing shows. I guess How I Met Your Father just got canceled. Yes, I read that yesterday. That just got so, canceled, despite the season two cliffhanger and the the increased ratings for season two. Um, they killed that show, and um, yeah, there's going to be a lot of lot of stuff just going the way of the dodo if they don't come to terms and i think the studios are now feeling the heat because the actors union is not screwing around and they're basically full solidarity with the writers and now they're going after the other industries that actors are involved in so it's going to be messy if the studios don't get behind these the talent uh if those three, if if video game actor voice actors join in there, uh, is there any chance of the famed graphic artists? The artists have been complaining forever that they are overworked, underpaid, unreasonable timelines are told. I mean, the the some of the stuff is now coming out about the CG that was done in the Flash and how quickly they were given to actually produce those effects. It's well, the, the the issue with the Flash wasn't so much. I mean, there were the, the time crunch was a huge issue, but it was also the fact that um, there was multiple cuts of that movie that exist, and um, each time someone was involved, the cut changed. I I mean, I liked the movie that we got a lot. Taylor, but, I have now seen the Flash. Did you like it or did you hate it? I thought it was really fun. Yeah, I mean, I liked it. Um, I thought the heartfelt stuff. Like everything with Barry and his mom in the supermarket was probably one of the most heartfelt scenes I've seen in the superhero movie in a while. And I was like, wow, this is going to make me cry. This is really sad because he's literally speeding up time. He's slowing down time for himself so he can have a few more seconds with his mom. I'm like, that, that really sucks. Um, very good movie. Um, super corny in some spots. You can see the weirdness of all the different productions that were got involved, but, um, there was multiple cuts. I mean, there was one version of the movie where General Zod killed young Barry, like by snapping his neck, like Superman did to him. Like there was so many different cuts, so many different takes, so many different endings um, that there could be like a whole mini series of the, term the turmoil of the Flash production and all the hands that were trying to make the movie what they wanted it to make. So... Do you think we ever see like those? Do we ever see those other cuts? No, 
Not on a Blu-ray, not like as like, hey, it's all part of the, it's all spaghetti, Taylor. It's the multiverse. They, they're all spaghetti. No, I, I don't think we will ever see that stuff because the the Blu-ray came out this last week. The deleted scenes that were there were literally the only ones that pertain to the final cut. So, uh, no, I don't see them ever revealing the footage of all the other stuff that they had filmed and and done because a lot of it was just like previs, not even, not even done. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. So, I mean, we, we know for a fact there was an alternate take on the, the Ben Affleck-Barry conversation because we knew that he reshot that whole scene because of his social media. So we, we know that there's another version of that sequence, but it's not on the Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. So, lots of changes. Um, you, can, you can firmly blame Toby Emmerich getting involved. You can firmly blame Walter Armada for constantly changing things. And then when also- they both got fired... You can. There was another cut that happened, and then when James Gunn and Peter Safran became, that's when everything kind of like gelled together to a final cut. And here we have another half a Ben Affleck Batman movie that I would love to see the rest of. You know what I mean? Like, not it's not that it's like it's a different Batman and stuff like that, but it was like, yeah, this is Justice League adventure stuff. Like that's what they would be doing, and we don't get to do that. We have to go. Back to the nineties. What year were we in? What by what we know, whatever. It was like 2013. Okay. It was fine. But I mean, I liked I liked what we got. I mean, Michael Keaton was Michael Keaton and fantastic all the way through. He stole the show every chance he got. Um uh there was some hokey corny stuff in the beginning. The whole the baby shower joke was a bit much and the uh really didn't know if it wanted to be Deadpool or if they like they should have leaned way more into the Back to the Future 2 stuff. And they did about halfway through the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It's like halfway through the movie, it found out what it wanted to be. But um I I liked the intro with the 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 half of the Justice League trying to save the day. You know what, Taylor? It's so funny that we there's so many flash villains that are so dumb but the intro maybe could have just been captain cold just a bank robbery with ice and not necessarily bring any of those characters in because it was like oh we're never gonna see these people again i can't believe they showed up in the flash of all movies yeah i mean that it would have been really fun just to have like some of the rogues in the intro but they they also wanted to give us um justice league mission and batman hunting down Alberto Falcone, because that's who that was. Um, so, mm. lots of fun stuff there. But um, what we have is the Batman Part 2 existing completely adjacent to everything that they're doing in the DCU. It's going to be this project, I, to my understanding, this and the Joker are the first two movies that will officially have the Elseworlds branding on it. Uh, what year are we picking up again with this Batman? So, the Batman Part one was modern day when it came out so it's just going to be a few years later okay but 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 we will see an evolution of the bat cave right like things will now be because the bat cave that we got in the first movie was basically bruce's workshop in an old underground railroad that was connected to the main tower um so I'm assuming that it'll he's going to go. He's going to build the manor, right? We need to. He needs a compound to do all of this stuff. Well, I mean, his Wayne Manor. We saw Wayne Manor in the the movie. It was that old, dilapidated former. Uh, it was that uh, orphanage because that was like they they went 
they took a lot of inspiration from the the early 2000s the batman tv show where the the actual wayne manor was donated to the city and bruce had bruce's dad moved everyone to the middle of the city in wayne penthouse which essentially had the the bruce wayne mansion built on top of the the skyscraper and that's what we got in this movie so and that's kind of what uh nolan's batman has correct in the second movie uh when he didn't have wayne manor he had the the wayne skyscraper so i like the skyscraper i'm not i'm not i'm not against the skyscraper i like that batman's right in the middle when he needs to like drop into the shit it, I, and I think it was funny because the Batman TV show from the early 2000s, they, that was their, the reason for doing it. They were like, all right, so if Batman is going to be Batman, the signal comes up and Bruce lives in the Palisades. So he's going to have to drive into town for 20 minutes. So it makes sense that he's in the middle of the city. Um, and that's why they did that in that cartoon. And I'm pretty sure Matt Reeves saw that and was like, damn good explanation. Let's do that. Mm. Because the idea is that the the hub underneath the the wayne tower connected to all the old sewerways and all the old train stations gives him access to pop out any point of the city because he's using the old condemned rail system uh catwoman worked in the first movie worked really well she will have to be involved in this correct she's not in part two she was always they're always talking about bringing her back for part three Mm. so um, I my hope is that after the weird gets introduced, that a lot of these characters start just accepting that like Catwoman is not just some girl in like the leather and the the slightly bent snow like snow mask that looks like cat ears. Like she'll just finally be like, yeah, I'm, I'm just on Catwoman now, and actually has like the Catwoman look to her. Like I think once the weird aspects of Gotham comes into play, like when Two Face is a thing and joker becomes the joker and all that stuff um we're gonna get less of um the zodiac killer riddler and more of riddler with the the bowler hat and the the green suit i'm not saying that you really think he's gonna do that i don't think he's gonna come back as the zodiac killer but i think he's gonna be a little bit more refined the next time he comes around i don't think he's gonna be jim carrey in a unitard but i think he's gonna be like the tim stale version Speaking of Jim Carrey, that One Piece Buggy the Clown did a pretty good half Jim Carrey sort of uh, half, um, what is his name? Dances, great actor, was in, uh, He's he plays Guy in uh, Starship, uh, not Starship Troopers, Galaxy Quest. Oh, you're talking about, um, oh my God, I just forgot his name. It was on the tip of my tongue and I lost it. Wilson, uh, Rock Wilson. I'm, I'm wrong. Sam Rockwell? Sam Rockwell. Um, uh, Buggy the Clown doing a great Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell would make a great Batman villain. Uh, maybe we can get him over in that universe. I would love that, honestly. Um, I was actually pretty impressed by... Um, I, don't, I don't know. We could, we could talk a lot about One Piece. Uh, there's so many things I could say about it. I'm really happy with it. But... Um, with this movie, with the Batman Part Two, the people that they're courting, that they were courting before the strike took place, they had a lot of good names that wanted to work with Reeves for the second one. Um, and if they're going the route of having a 13-year-old Dick Grayson, 100% kid's going to be an unknown, which I'm I'm all for. 
Yeah. And I think this movie has a good chance of being um, something just like the first one, something that appeases the Nolan fans who love the gritty realism, because that's what we got with that first one, but also appeases the comic purists because they saw all the work that Matt Reeves put into the movie, like he did with the first one, where you could see all this connective tissue from the Jeffrey Open Tim Sale books. So we're like, wow, they he really loved those books because there's there's the iceberg lands, there's this and that. I mean, for people who were really paying attention, the two dumb bodyguard, the two dumb bodyguards at the beginning, the twins, that was Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Like they were, it was a deep cut comic joke about how one of them was a to, like a total idiot and the other one wasn't. Like Matt Reeves did his homework. So if he's doing that level of meticulous planning that he did with that one to something like Two-Face or Clayface or Mr. Freeze, we're going to be in for a treat. We did the Batman cartoon get weird because it did eventually get demons and Etragon and the whole nine yards. But when did that happen? Season three? No, I think it was honestly. So, I mean, the first episode of the Batman animated show was Man Bat. That was the first episode on Leather Wings was that very first episode. And then that show, like it started off with the werewolf stuff. And you're like, okay, so science, science fiction. Okay, we can do this. But it wasn't until they introduced Clayface where they introduced this notion of there's metahumans, essentially. And that show took Clayface as like their their starting point to like introduce all the weird shit from that point on. Yeah, because Killer, is it Killer Croc that's Killer Batman? Croc, Killer Croc became a very interesting character because they, they said he was a circus freak. And then as the show went on, it became more of a, now he's, he's actually like an alligator man metahuman. So like they... They did some very interesting stuff with him. And, and Poison Ivy, right? Poison Ivy, where yes. she started and where she ended. I mean, now she's, she's like fighting with Swamp Thing. Where she started in the Batman animated show was she was a botanist who made poison plants and was trying to poison people with rare flowers. And she had a crossbow on her wrist. And then and as the show went on, now she's growing giant uh, little shop of horrors monsters. And then in the Batman, like season four onward, she's like Uma Thurma, Mister, like Uma Thurma, Poison Ivy, where she's like coming down off of like her like living plant monsters. Like that show, like it started off normal, kind of like how I'm hoping that Matt Reeves does. It started off in a very normal, straightforward, black and white, logical, grounded Gotham, and then started getting weird and weird, and, and they would keep testing the waters and testing the waters. And once you accepted that weird plateau, they would then go to the next plateau. And that's how that show took it. And I think that's where Matt Reeves can easily take it if he allows himself to. Hollywood comes back whenever that is. Okay, that's date XX. That's what they do in all the animes. So date XX, 2023, 2024. Or just 20, like the Mega Man, 20XX. Whenever it happens, we'll get it. Uh when does this Batman movie start? Does it start parallel now to the Superman movie? Does it hit the ground running? Is this everyone's next project? Or is there other stuff going on? So the big rumor that came out of my time to shine was that they're aiming to start filming this thing in March. And Matt, and that makes sense because they still got to finish the Penguin for the rest of the year or whatever the next few months is once the strike ends. Uh, we know that James Gunn had planned for January to start Superman, so we could easily see Superman and Batman filming at the same time. 
But on a different note, on a a separate note, uh, everyone who was complaining that uh, David Cornsweet was not uh, bulky, um, some pictures of him came out on social media. And we got to look, we got to body shame people now. What the fuck? What do you mean? So some pictures of him came out on social media and he's actually getting some heft to him. Um, Who is he supposed to be? He's Superman. Oh, he's got he's getting on that Marvel diet. He's getting on some sort of a diet because uh, everyone who is complaining that he wasn't getting big is that he's now like he's actually bulking up. Like he's actually getting like he's not like, oh, my God, night and day. But compared to what he was a few months ago, he's getting there. This is Batman talk. That's Superman talk. We will save Superman talk for another day. Is there anything else that we need to know or anything else that's been bubbling you think that is pertinent to this Batman too? Well, so far, everything that I heard a year and a half ago in that first episode that we did um, with uh, Mr. Freeze, uh, essentially the No Man's Land style setting. And I'm not saying like, I I, I never said that it was going to be like Gotham is cut off and gangs and stuff like that it was more the no man's land side of things where gotham was struck by a massive ecological disaster and the 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 underworld is now at war with each other grasping for power so while the city is rebuilding itself the underworld is also restructuring and that's what we were getting with the penguin show and what we're getting with everything leading up to this project so uh, we're not seeing the the last half of the Dark Knight Rises where the city is now cut off from the rest of the country and then none of that jazz. It's going to be like No Man's Land where the, the underbelly of Gotham is is getting weird because of the, the changes in the world. Well, I can't wait to find out more. I was excited by the first movie. I'm excited by the prospects of the second film. I can't wait to see where they go with it. But I don't think we're going to find out anytime soon. After a few months, at least, if the writer's strike ends tomorrow, we're still not going to hear anything about this project until it starts ramping up for a few months. Okay. So take it where you can. Um, uh, like I said, when, when my time to shine dropped those those tidbits and everything in between, even she prefaced that these were all things that were being finalized right before the strike hit. Um, and this is all the same stuff that I talked about a year ago. So it sounds like it's really cool that she was able to basically reiterate everything that I said a year ago, because that means it's still happening. And that's really exciting. So fingers crossed that we get, we get a Robin and we get Clayface and we get Two-Face and we get Mr. Freeze and we get the weird, the weird aspects of Gotham that Chris Nolan never wanted to do introduce into this world. Hmm. Fingers crossed. And if our fingers are crossed, we're making promises, just like we are promising you that all of you should go to patreon.com slash the cultured nerd to help keep this show going. Uh, We have a bunch of wonderful patrons. Thank you, all of our patrons. Thank you for all of your support. Thank you for keeping the lights on here. Uh, Taylor Murphy's been your host. Me, Michael Santel, has been your co-host. Thank you, Taylor Murphy and Jay Strew for that intro. Thank you, Jose Navarro, for all of our wonderful logos and things like that. Like that if you have those cell phones whip them out take a picture like comment subscribe it's a silly thing to say but it helps keeps those numbers up so thank you for all of that support uh more stuff will be developing and we will get it to you as soon as it does he's been taylor murphy i'm michael santel thank you so much for joining us we'll see all you kids and cats next time
We'll see you all next week when we have something. Hopefully, we have some more cutting news to talk about. Otherwise, you're just going to hear us rant about things that we love. So More One Piece. More One Piece for Michael. And more <laughs> random comic collecting or Gundams for me. So more stuff. All right. Thank you all, everyone. See you next time. Bye.